Tom Gerhardt and Dan Provost are the guys behind Studio Neat. On this show, we discuss entrepreneurship, product design, and all of the ups and downs that come with running a small business. I'm Mike Hurley, and this is Thoroughly Considered. So are you moving to Hawaii, Mike? Oh, I wished. I don't, I don't even, I don't know if our listeners know, but I've been on my honeymoon and it was incredible. You guys, you've been to Hawaii? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not. What? Oh, it's so good, Tom. Go to Sorry. Hawaii. You should go to Hawaii. Hawaii is incredible, but that's not why people are here unless the pens are being made in Hawaii, but I don't think that they are. Um, so <laughs> no chance. What, what, is your, what is your production status as we sit here today, gentlemen? Uh, let's see. We haven't talked in a long time, so let's see. Um, well, we did, we submitted a PO for, like, the production parts, like, all the production parts. So that's, like, technically where we are. Oh, that seems like a big step. Yeah, huge step. That's, like, the... That's the step. That's, like, the step, yeah. Um, and, but, but a lot has happened since then. So I think, I guess what happened, when we last talked... We were kind of waiting on samples, like production samples from the Chinese manufacturer. And then we were going to like see how they did and, you know, see like what happens. Um, so we received those parts, I don't know, several weeks ago. And uh, they all, they turned out really well. Like the manufacturer hit all the tolerances um, and they, all the service finishes were really nice, like nicer than we specified. Um, and so we spent, I don't know, like two weeks basically, like, a, like, assembling them and testing them and checking them and doing, you know, as much kind of due diligence as we could. Um, and we decided that, yeah, like everything like was looking good. Um, and so we decided to kind of pull the trigger and go with that manufacturer in China. Um, we can talk about kind of some of the like testing and tweaks we have made. Um, but that's in summary kind of like where we've been in terms of, that part of the Mark One stuff. So, when you submit the PO, what happens next? Like, when do they arrive? Like, how long does that take? Yeah. Well, we're doing. We're uh, we're kind of doing. There'll be more testing to be done, kind of. So, I, I think the production run will take. Uh, they said like, you know, four weeks. It'll probably take a little bit longer than that because it's like order material and all kinds of stuff. But we are, we're going to kind of do some staging in terms of testing. So they're going to, um, one of the tweaks we're going to make is is changing some of the plating uh, on the parts. And so to like help with lubric- lubricity. And so they're going to make like the parts for the mechanism. And then we're going to do some, some tests with plating. Um, and then after we have kind of arrived at the final plating we want to do then they're going to make the body parts to so that we can like get all of the tolerances and fit like really good um and so that's kind of the the plan in terms of the metal parts right are you talking about the internal parts yes okay yes yeah so they're all the like click internal parts they're making then we're going to do some testing with different nickel plating on those and then once we have settled on that then we will kind of cement the dimensions of the body 
and then submit those. And the differences we're talking about here is like one or two thousandths of an inch. It's like very small. But um, because we want the fit to be really tight, Mm -hmm. we have to, it's like safer for us to just wait on the body until we have done a little bit of testing and then pull the trigger on that. And it won't really delay things that long. But that, so it's just not as simple as, um, you know, they'll arrive on the boat and they're also going to do some, you know, assembly testing and things. So, you know, we still have quite a, even though we've like submitted the PO and like things are really moving, it's, it's still quite a ways until we have, you know, like in bulk, all of the parts and we're like ready for assembly and shipping a lot of kind of things to test. And just, I wanted to just make sure we clarify something. So you said like it won't delay things too much. Do you mean for your internal timeline, not necessarily the campaign? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, I, you know, we're still have quite a bit of headroom for what we have told right. people Great. for like when things will ship. So yeah, we're, uh, we're still good there. We like expect, I mean, we expected all this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I think we feel, we feel pretty good about all the metal stuff. And so now then we have, yeah, after we kind of got those production samples and we're heads down, really kind of evaluating those. Then after we kind of submitted the PO and the, revised drawings then we're kind of we're starting to tackle some of the outstanding issues with the pen okay um before we get into those i had a question i wanted to ask you um this testing stuff where like you're they're sending you production samples and then they're testing all of the lubricity which is a word that i've learned today (laughs) (laughs) is this free is like do they charge you for this um yeah yes so we they charge us for those hundred first hundred samples basically and they're pretty pricey um so yeah we charge for that but but um part of the next set of testing and stuff will be like included with production so we kind of agreed that makes that's kind of how like the samples i guess they would they would send unless you'd already agreed like signed on the dotted line maybe they would give you exactly throw you a few but like i would have expected that the testing of materials and tolerances should in i would have thought just be included in yeah well just just to clarify like if they sent us parts and we measured them and it was incorrect it was like oh this measurement is not how it was on the drawing then they would remake them for free and send them to us because they made an error but the things we're testing are kind of our design and like how the mechanism work and how it feels and those are things we can't know just with prototypes, uh, either handmade by Tom and Metal or 3D printed or whatever. Like we need the actual production samples to see how it's working, and you just discover tiny little details, like Tom was saying, you know, a thousandth of an inch, and it just makes it feel better. It feels tighter, you know, it feels more robust. So those are like little tweaks. Like this is the huge advantage of being able to do a true production run. And then test it and then do another run is like something we couldn't afford to do if we were in the United States. But the end result is it's going to be really tight and nice and everything's going to fit really well. Yeah. So what is next then? Like from from this point, like what else is it that you're looking to do when working with the manufacturer? Like what other tweaks are you hoping to try and knock Um, through? It was it was mostly like assembly. We decided to. Uh, make two of the parts go together via a press fit instead of like a set screw. So most of the other, n- they're nothing that would be like visible so externally. So we're going to test some different uh, additives to the nickel plating and uh, just some like little tweaks like that. So nothing really big, but kind of just little little things. Um, and so, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. 
And then we, I guess one of the things that's a bigger, like in terms of like customers or listeners is uh, we've made quite a bit of progress on the packaging, which is pretty mm. cool. I thought that was, isn't that controversial? The packaging? It was controversial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's funny. I think we've made, we've made it, we've made something where it might, it probably seems like we spend a lot of money on packaging, but it turns, but we haven't, which is pretty cool. Like we're pretty happy. Dan, you should talk about the packaging. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it feels like kind of a, a win-win. Uh, we definitely listened to folks' feedback uh, in the uh, in the Kickstarter comments uh, in regards to the packaging, specifically like caring about sustainability or recyclability and things like that. And so what we've what we were originally planning to do is like a cardboard tube which we've used in the past for uh like the cosmonaut and a previous version of the glyph both came in these like tube kind of telescoping tubes uh and we'd have like a bit of foam or something to keep the pen. It's a pretty standard way to uh to ship a, a pen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're doing now is quite a bit different. Uh, basically we're using cork. Um, oh. So if you have uh, a material dock, uh, then you're familiar with the kind of molded cork that we've used. And so what it's going to be is a molded cork piece that is going to be able to be used as a little desk tray for your pen. Uh, and there's two there's two halves that are identical that come together to close it, you know, like a box, essentially. And then there'll be a, a belly band, which is, you know, just a, a piece of paper, essentially, that's, you know, wrapping it to keep it closed. Um, and so what's nice about that is, A, it looks really nice and feels really nice. Uh, B, Cork is a super sustainable and like biodegradable material. So it's really kind of eco-friendly. And then we have this like bonus thing is like you get a little pen tray, Uh, like the packaging is essentially, you know, usable uh, as a, as a product. Reduce, reuse, recycle, right? This is what you're doing. You're doing all those things. Yeah. It's the reuse step. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, I think, I think it's going to be really cool. I think people will like it. Ooh. So, Mike, uh, in our secret, secret what do people super call secret, it? Super secret, secret chat. Super secret chat. <laughs> Put some <laughs> renders of what the packaging would be like. I can tell people it looks really good. Like, I actually think it looks really good. I would, I would very happily put that on my desk. Yeah, so we were first, we were like, oh, I, one of the first ideas we had for packaging, like way before the Kickstarter and stuff, was some sort of like cork, like pill-shaped case thing. And for a while, we were like, oh, it'll just be something that you throw away. But then we were kind of playing around and realized that we could have them be this, like, cork deck tray. And it, it actually looks really awesome. It's like, it's like could totally be a product on its own. Uh, so, yeah, we're pretty pumped that that... That is great. That's really that's cool. That's working out. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. Here's a question for you. How is cork made? Yeah. Cork is awesome. I love cork so much. So... Cork is the bark of the cork tree. And so what they do is they don't cut down the tree. They literally, the cork trees look really funny once they've been harvested. So they like, the cork is pretty thick. It's like a couple inches thick. And they cut around in like strips and they pull off the cork in these big pieces. And then the tree lives and then it regrows its bark. Okay, that's Like, I don't know how long, but it doesn't take that long. So it's completely like reusable resource. Like you don't cut down the tree. Do, Do we feel sorry for the tree though? 
I guess, I'm, I guess a little bit, but I mean, you use paper all the time and you're like cutting down trees. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it's a harmful pro. Like, I don't yeah. think it exposes them to like bugs and they decay or whatever. Like, right. I, I don't think it's a problem. Yeah, know? these okay. trees are like hundred, like can be a hundred years old. And like, okay. they're like, they've been doing this in Portugal for like a very long time. So, but the cool thing is to make a wine cork, like a natural wine cork, they take that cork bark and they literally just like poke hole, like they poke holes in it. So when you see... Uh, usually like a piece of cork it's got a bunch of holes in it and those are natural corks that they use for wine bottles so they do that usually first and then with the scrap from that they do what's called agglomerated cork where they basically just grind up the cork into what feels like sand and when you see a product like a cork coaster or anything in the world that's made from agglomerated cork and so it's like cork byproduct already it's already a byproduct of another process and then to make this molded cork stuff or, or big molded cork sheets like they do uh, that you get like a bulletin board or something, it's basically just like heat and pressure. And I don't believe there's any additives or adhesives to make it stick together. I believe it is just something in the cork itself that provides the adhesion like of these cork granules together. I'm That's not so 100% uncertain about I've that. I've got to say, I'm, I'm looking sure. at pictures of cork extraction. It's freaking me out now. <laughs> just the, the, the way that they do it, like, just like pulling off these huge pieces. Oh, I can't keep looking at it. it freaks me out. <laughs> it's cool, though. It's really cool. I had no idea. You know what I always thought it was? I just thought it was like bark that was chopped up and glued together because i'd never bothered to look into it right so mm-hmm. I, I i don't think you would necessarily assume because this, this isn't how we make any other thing from a tree everything else that comes from trees yeah. comes from trees we cut down right and yeah. so that that's really cool actually i had no idea yeah cork is and so the cool thing is also is it's like water it's like water resistant it absorbs shock it's like biodegradable and it's just like a natural it's like throwing a piece of wood on the ground it's like you know so it's just a really great material and it's not expensive so these parts doing this like two cork tray clamshell kind of thing with the synthetic paper that wraps around it is cheaper than doing a cardboard tube which is like crazy to us um (laughs) so uh, yeah, so it's really, it's great. Uh, and we've worked with a company before, the supplier before for the material doc, and we were just so impressed with the molded cork. Because the molded cork that they use, it's like a really fine ground. Mm-hmm. And so it feels really smooth and dense. Whereas like when you get something that's like in like a bulletin board or something, it's usually like thicker pieces and it's yep. not quite, it's kind of more crumbly. So yeah, we're uh, really psyched about uh, how this is how like this is coming about, and so we're at the stage where we we're kind of doing final tweaks on like the shape of it, and then we'll be sending the stuff to the um, the cork manufacturer. But they're in Portugal, so it'll take a while for the parts to come back. Yeah. So another thing about cork trees is they only grow in kind of Mediterranean climates, so there's only like a few places where you know you can do cork. Okay. manufacturing or or it's make you know makes sense to do it i i'm i learned all this about cork today there, there is a weird thing about cork where for some reason it does feel kind of premiumy to me and i don't know why that mm-hmm. is like i've had some stuff from you guys right that it has cork in it and i know that you were looking at cork with the obi project too and there is this mm-hmm. kind of like look to it or something where 
it feels a little premium-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there, it does. It's one of those materials where, like felt, like really nice felt, where it is something organic. It's obviously organic, but it can be made uh, like geometric and crisp and controlled. So there's something I think that's just like really compelling about that. So, you know, this cork, yeah, it's like this sand stuff, but because it can be molded so like finely and like with crisp edges and stuff, it feels like this weird in-between object and i think felt i think is very similar to me where you can get these thick felt sheets that are like very feel very dense but it's like made out of wool you know so Mm. um i don't know i for me that's what is so you know and you could cut one of these cork pieces in half and it's like cork all the way through right it's very like (laughs) honest but then also very like sculptable so there's something really nice to me about that it's very raw very honest material so yeah, I'm a, I've always been like in love with cork, and I'm glad that we can find ways to kind of use it. You're a cork believer. Cork <laughs> believer, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you found a way to do something cool with the packaging, though, that isn't just design. And I, I will ask you, do you think that some of these ideas came from like some criticism? Like, Did you put more thought into that than maybe you would have? I, I, I think so. I mean, we, we still hadn't figured out the packaging, but yeah, I would say uh, the comments, they were helpful. Kind of just pushed us, I think, yeah. to like, to like because, you know, the default for pins is like you ship them in a tube. Yeah, and that's nice, right? A tube is, a tube yeah. is nice. And honestly, that's yeah. what I thought you were going to do because yeah. that's what makes sense, tubes, mm-hmm. right? I have so many pens especially from Kickstarter and stuff that come in those little cardboard tubes. And it's always a nice, it's always a nice experience. It's fine. But I guess, you know, I, I totally understand the, the thought process of like, well, you have a little bit more money. So rather than doing something nice, maybe if it works out, you can give something to people, which I think is, I think that's really cool. I, I mean, I would expect a lot of people to be pretty happy with that. And I know I will be and would be, right? Like, oh, here's a little free thing. It's like a just a nice little place for me to keep my pen. So, hey, yeah. and also that'll stop it rolling off the desks. There you go. Yeah. It's all problem yeah, solved. <laughs> <laughs> and you a- you actually get two trays uh, in every order because it's two halves. So buy two pens. Did I- Wait, so if I buy two pens, will I get how many boxes am I going to get? Well, you'll, uh, get, you'll four, get four. I mean, you'll have four Whoa. trays. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <I> <laughs> know. There's no, no way to catch up with the number of trays <laughs> you'll have. <laughs> uh, yeah, we actually, when we were kind of thinking of packaging ideas, we looked into um, Tom. Maybe what is the name for like that kind of like pulpy molded? Oh, molded fiber board. Yeah. M- yeah, like kind of what egg cartons and stuff uh, mm-hmm. are made out of, like. I thought that'd be really cool because uh, you can like mold it to a shape. And so we could, you know, do have some interesting kind of box looking that's like has kind of like the indent for the pen and it fits really snugly and stuff. But and that stuff is, you know, very kind of like recyclable and and green in that way. But uh, it was super it was like surprisingly expensive. Like it only makes sense for super high quantity because you essentially have to make a mold that costs as much as an injection mold. Like it's tens of thousands of dollars. So that put the kibosh on that idea. Would you say that, I mean, you know, and this isn't, I'm not like trying to trip you up or anything, but like is thinking about recyclability and sustainability a more recent thing for you when when it mm. comes to the stuff? Like really thinking not about really. it. Not really. You've, you've always put thought in it? Yeah, our very first packaging was maybe the best and simplest we've ever done. So when we, the first glyph, 
the packaging was literally a piece of die cut craft um it's not cardboard but it's like it's kind of like what your cereal box is made out of yeah in fact that was like the first it's like a thick paper i think dan came up with the idea and i was like he like cut up a cereal box or something i don't know but um the glyph kind of like floated on the card because it was like die cut it could like fit it there and stuff and we love the fact that it was like sustainable there's no clamshell it was just like something you know you could recycle and so yeah we've always liked that idea we try to keep things simple and um you know typically like recyclable because for us it's just usually less expensive Mm -hmm. and if you do it right it can be you know interesting the problem usually comes like we've had to use foam a lot because there's not very many good ways to uh like protect things and like dan mentioned that that pulp molded pulp stuff is is cheap but you have to be making like literally a half million to a million before it even starts to make sense so you're kind of back to this corner of using foam which we don't love, but it's kind of like, for instance, if we would have done a tube, we would have had to basically put foam in there as well. You have to glue it, right? I guess, which is like another big thing. Uh, would you glue it? Yeah, you don't. You don't always have to glue it, but, okay. but yeah. So you know, like for recently, we've been doing packaging with foam as kind of as our go-to, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, sometimes it's kind of like the only option. But uh, but yeah, you know, we've always been looking out for that. We definitely like the look. Like all of our paper usually is like uncoated paper that kind of feels, uh, you know, natural or honest or maybe green, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it's always kind of been there. Uh, you know, when you push really hard on that stuff, though, it can get it can get out of hand really quick in terms of cost if yep. if you're not yep. careful. Yeah, we should mention the what we're looking at now for I had mentioned like the cork trays are wrapped with a a belly band and we're actually thinking we're going to use Upo for that, which is a synthetic paper. Uh and if you're a fan of uh field notes, it yeah, is the I it's the paper that. that's mm-hmm. yeah, the in the expedition edition, I think mm-hmm. it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh and so it's a cool it is a uh it's like a tear proof, uh water resistant paper. And I was just looking th- through their little informational book and it it is uh one hundred percent recyclable as well. Um wow. but it uh it um we want it to be terrible. Well, a we kind of like the feel of it, kind of in co- like how it would feel wrapped around the cork. But uh, I th- we kind of we're, the way we're thinking of it now, and this might change, is that we're gonna print some instructions, kind of like how to change the refill and stuff on the reverse side of that belly band. Very so clever. we don't we don't want it to tear. We want you to kind of like peel it open and then have like an untorn. Uh, uh, instructions. Could you perforate it? Mm, we could. I they think it will. The way we'll do the closure is it will be a piece of double sided tape. And the way that Upo works, we haven't fully tested this yet, but I think it will actually peel off pretty cleanly because, okay. like Upo, like yeah, it's like plastic basically. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to to tear. Actually, it's basically impossible to tear by hand. Yeah. It just stretches, which is a really yeah. interesting thing. Um, it's not good for an everyday notebook, but it is good no, for yeah. a cool notebook. Yeah. Like the Expedition Edition was a fun thing, but uh, yeah, like it would be tricky-ish to use uh, the Mark One on that paper, which is kind oh, of yeah, funny. For yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> just, just smear around. And just move right. Luckily, off. it's just the packaging. Yeah. Really, the only pen that I've ever used, which is any good for for that, is the Fisher Space Pen. 
Um, yeah. Which was quite funny because yeah. Field Notes did this. They knew this, so they actually sold a branded Fisher Space Pen at the same time that they yeah. that they made that, uh, that product. Well, speaking of cartridges, uh, the other development is we... <laughs> so silly. We discovered that basically the cheapest way to buy the Schmidt refills mm-hmm. for the Mark One is to actually get custom branded ones directly from the manufacturer. That, that does not surprise me at all. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, well, because you're buying in bulk with them at that point, right? And then you're going to get your, your, your bulk... Uh, preference i guess i don't know well no so like we we got quotes for buying bulk through their exclusive distributor in the united states and it was like over twice as expensive what? so we're like what okay <laughs> so the only downside though is that we can't put like schmidt on printed on the we wanted to put like we basically just wanted to be like studio neat this is here's the refill like schmidt whatever because we don't want to hide what refill is because we want people to like buy more but we can't the part of the deal is we can't put Schmidt on it because we can't sell it as like a Schmidt branded refill because they, you know, there's exclusive distributor rights or whatever. So it's kind of like we're kind of like, oh, that's dumb. But it's like so much cheaper and better just to get like a custom can printed you sell branded it? ones. Uh, I We can definitely sell them. Right, but that's, this is a benefit then because yeah. this is what Retro 51 does. So Retro 51 sell the refills or you can buy retro 51 refills through retro 51's resellers so yeah Mm. it is another revenue generator for them because somebody that buys the retro 51 pen needs the retro 51 refill and they brand them with their own codes so retro 51 use a few different ones and i think it's ref 51 i think is the the standard Schmidt refill, so you could do the same. They do other colors. Yeah. You could sell other colors. Like I know it's a it's just a small package item, which might be different for you guys. But this is a way, like the Pano book has has in it an inherent further purchase thing, right? You could do that. You could sell packs of refills. Yeah, we're. To- I mean, we're totally planning to sell refills, and not even for you know the profit reason, which is nice, but just we want to make it easy for people. Like a lot of people are gonna buy the pen. Well, yeah, you kind of have to now because people aren't gonna know where to get them. You, th- exactly. Th- you know. It's like you can th- you can you go know, you can throw a, a, a Schmidt model number at someone and be like, here, find this refill, or just be like, hey, we sell the exact refill you need and it's cheap. You know, you can buy from us too. Like that. Uh, I, I think it's it's totally makes sense to do that. I actually think that's for the best. I think this is a, a good outcome, even though it's a really yeah. weird one. It is very yeah. strange. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like really baffling to me. Yeah. But, it's, uh... This is probably, I think this is the only time I've experienced in manufacturing where it's like uh, the custom version is cheaper than the yeah, off the shelf. Uh, yeah. My only assumption can be that the, 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 what you're running into is the distributor's markup, right? That's what you're oh, running into. No, that's into. absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely what we're doing. It's just like so silly. It's wild. <laughs> they, they really, considering this happens, I mean, if they just reduce the markup, they would make more. They would still be make. They're going to lose this sale because of their markup, yeah. their high markup, yeah. which is that's wild to me. Because they must know that Schmidt do this. They must know this. It's very peculiar. Yeah, I just don't think they want any part of it. The only problem is you have to order like five thousand at a time. So you, yeah, well. you know, that's the big problem. But, but you'll sell them. You'll make that money back. You know, like you know, th- th- yeah. is a lot. Yes, it is a lot. But won't it be cool to have your logo on a cartridge though? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that will be cool, though. That will look good. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. 
those are in general the updates where you know we're gonna kind of keep all, all of these things like the refills and the packaging all take you know they'll take six-ish weeks to mm-hmm. produce so we're kind of everything is kind of hopefully hopefully next time we talk we'll have you know all the po's will be submitted and it'll just be kind of like some waiting um until things start coming in oh the other thing we've been uh, able to do is more kind of fully test like seracote application um with now that we have like the production bodies so we that is we're like that process is starting and um because we are making kind of some custom plugs to help with that process we're also kind of like testing that so they'll be we'll be ready whenever the like 8,000 parts or whatever come in. Where so. are they being coated? Uh, here in Austin, actually. Ah. So that's cool. Like, we can... It's nice, because we can, like, check them out, and we can get them in batches and stuff. And then the assembly, so. where is that happening? Well, we're going to... Uh, at least at this point, we're thinking that the Chinese manufacturer is going to do the assembly of the mechanism. Yep. And then we are going to do final assembly of, you know mechanism cartridge and spring inside the pin so they're gonna put the mechanism together and then you will yeah. then you will be putting do you mean like you guys or like yeah oh yeah. wow <laughs> so you're gonna put in yeah, like I. you're gonna be putting the studio neat branded refill in the pen with your own hands and then tightening it together putting it in the box putting the belly mm-hmm. band on it and shipping it out mm-hmm. now that is that's not gonna be the the permanent solution though right like uh, it might be um hmm. It depends how crazy it is. The the thing that we like about that is we get to really QC really well because we get the last, you know, we get to like click it and touch it and look at it before it goes in the box. So we can really tell. When you're doing that, you would like test every single one of them? We would just click it a couple times. I think you just click, yeah, just click it a few times to make sure it's Man, that is going to be a, yeah. a very noisy workshop. <laughs> Tom's got the click. He lives with the click machine, so he's used to. Oh it. yeah, <laughs> man. When we were doing those weeks, where's we the live stream the test, you promised me? Well, so we will do. We will do. I think a live stream when we're doing like when we have the final final parts with the final final nickel plating, and we're doing like a long like a long click. But I've had this thing click one pin over a hundred thousand times, and yeah, I'm just like sitting like for a week in my office, like click click click. click. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of. I actually kind of miss it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that thing is coming real handy. It's like, oh wow, I'm glad I'm not clicking this thing like thirty thousand times to test this thing. It's like you do this machine, so that's really nice. Thoroughly considered is a joint production between Relay FM and Studio Neat. You can find out more information about this show at relay.fm/tc/40. Thanks so much for listening.